Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we celebrate the great festival of Pentecost, that amazing day when the Lord poured out his spirit upon the church, that most magnificent of ways where those disciples gathered in the upper room and that rushing sound of the wind came, signifying the spirit of the Lord's presence. How those, how what appeared to be tongues of flames appeared above each of their heads, moving them to go forth and proclaim the gospel, that wonderful message of salvation to all who were gathered, empowered by the spirit to be able to be understood in whatever language the person was who heard it so that they too could know the glories and wonder of the Lord and what he had done by saving the world through his son, Jesus Christ. As we consider the great works of God, there are three chief works which we consider. And traditionally, we assign each of these primary works to one person of the Trinity, as what's laid out in the Catechism. We proclaim how the Father is our creator, the one who has made heaven and earth and all that is in therein. And we rejoice how the Son has redeemed us, how he has taken on flesh, who has paid, how he has paid for our sins by his death on the cross and given us new life and salvation through his resurrection. And then we proclaim how the Spirit sanctifies. Next week, as we gather to celebrate the Trinity on Holy Trinity Sunday, we will consider those works a little more specifically. But today we ask that question, what does it mean to be sanctified? In many ways, to say the Holy Spirit sanctifies is almost to say uh, what is obvious. For the Holy Spirit makes us holy, makes us sanctus in Latin. It is the very work of the Spirit and why we call him the Holy Spirit. But as we consider these works of God, it is important to just recognize that while there are three persons in the Trinity, there is one God and God always works towards us in full. And so even in the creation, the, Spirit, the Father worked with the Son and the Spirit who were present and unified. The Son's sacrifice was, was sacrificed to the Father as he was strengthened by his Spirit. And indeed, the work of the Spirit is to bring God's mercy and love to us, specifically to join us and unite us with the Son and his life and salvation. And so today on this day of Pentecost, let us consider the three great works of the Spirit, the one who was identified as the Helper, a title which is given to him because we indeed need help. We are the ones who are so fallen in this world, who on our own would be left to wander aimlessly, who so often fall into pits of despair and destruction because of our sinful desires. How so often we would reject the Word of God if not by the power of the Spirit. And so, our Lord, as he is preparing to move towards the cross, took time with his disciples, as we heard in our gospel lesson today, to share with them what it meant that the Helper, the Holy Spirit, would be sent by the Father in the name of Jesus. And that it is this purpose of the Spirit to empower and preserve and to strengthen the church. And so, in our epistle lesson today, we see the first great work of the Spirit. That work is to call people by the gospel, to draw them from death to life, to call them out of their sins from repentance to salvation. And, and as the Spirit goes forth, the Spirit does not work on his own. The Spirit has one role in this calling, to bring the words of Jesus to mind. 
as our Lord himself instructs. He will bring all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you, Jesus proclaims. You see, there's a great conservation in the work of God. The Father has created all things. The Son is the voice of God. He is the word of God that goes forth, the very incarnation of God in the flesh, who is the great prophet, who as he journeyed here did nothing but speak the words of the Father. And so it is, now that the Son has ascended to the right hand of the Father, he has sent forth the Spirit to take the words of the Son, which are the words of the Father, and bring them to mind and bring them to us. He, of course, did this very specifically and most directly with the apostles and the evangelists as he inspired them so that as they wrote their books, as they wrote the Gospels and the Epistles and the Histories, they were not writing their own opinions. They were not writing their own thoughts or ideas. They weren't changing what they had, what they had remembered. They weren't misremembering. But he brought to mind all the words of Jesus and they wrote them perfectly so that what we have today, the words which are in the scriptures are nothing less than the word of God. They are as if God himself has spoken directly to us, and indeed he has. Those words continue today, and so the work of the Spirit continues to preserve that word throughout the centuries and the millennia, so that today we don't need to doubt or wonder if what we have has somehow been altered over the last 2,000 years, but we know for certain that we have the same word of God spoken by the apostles, which is nothing less than the word of God spoken by the word of God himself, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And what is more, that word comes to us and alters us. It enters our hearts and it takes our rebellious hearts. It takes our desires to do what is wrong towards God and it creates in us faith. It takes our obstinacy and makes it so that we trust that word of God. When we hear that our Lord is our Savior and Redeemer, we believe it. When we hear that he has forgiven our sins, we trust it. When we hear that he is our ever-present help in need, we turn to him when we are struggling, when we are going against the word of God and know that we have erred. His voice is a calling that brings us back to him. The word of God brings the very faith needed to trust that word of God. And all of this is the work of the Spirit as he calls us by the gospel. More than that, Jesus says that he will bring us peace. And that the Spirit, or Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. The peace of which the Lord speaks is the very the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are ones which calm our hearts. When we are troubled and besoughten by our sins, the Spirit comes to us and assures us. It points us to the fact that we are united in our Lord by our baptism. For in our baptism, he has claimed us as our own. He has placed his name upon us, and he has brought us from judgment, through judgment, into life. Baptism provides us the means of peace. There are so many times in our lives when whether it's, the, whether it's Satan whispering in our ears or our own conscience coming to conflict us, that brings to mind all that we've done wrong. How many times have we disobeyed the word of God? How many times have we done what we should not do? And it is in those moments easy to despair, to recognize how we are not worthy of anything from our Lord, 
to think, well, maybe we aren't Christians after all if we've actually given in to these things we shouldn't do. But then the Spirit comes to us, which the Word of God, and not only calls us to repentance that we act, so we recognize where we have failed, but points us not to ourselves, not to look in the mirror and say, wait until you've overcome those sins and then you can trust. But he says, look to Jesus. Look to the cross of Calvary where our Lord has paid for your sins and understand that it was in your moment of your baptism that he has brought that payment to you for you have died with him and therefore having died with him, you shall also rise with him. It is the spirit then that gives us his gifts which expand that peace. A peace which comes not because we are the ones who have put to rest all of those in opposition. It's not a peace that comes from a power struggle where we have laid to rest our enemies. It's a peace of contentment, which allows us then to not reach out in strife and turmoil, but in forgiveness and mercy. It is a peace that overshadows us and brings love, hope, and joy, brings all the gifts of the spirit of contentment, of, uh, uh, of peace again, for it is that ability where we recognize that having been forgiven much, having been covered in the righteousness of Christ, we stand as ones who are able to serve our neighbor, to go forth and share with them the wonderful things God has done for us. After all, it is a peace that recognizes we are already children of God residing in his kingdom and that we have the ability to share that with others, not in a way where we lose anything, but indeed, we gain more for everyone who hears that word and gathers with us in the true faith. And so the gifts of the Spirit come back to this very peace of our Lord, the peace of God, which passes all understanding. And finally, there is the gift that the Lord preserves us, that the Spirit himself is the one by whom we are kept in the faith. After all, the Lord warns us that, yes, there will be troubles in the world, but let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. For he has given us a great gift. The Spirit actually dwells in you. Our Lord himself never abandons you nor forsakes you. It's not in such a way that he possesses you and you lose your identity. If anything, it is a means by which we are more ourselves than ever before. Because we have been created to love. We have been created to serve our neighbor. We have been created to gather with our Lord. And the Spirit is the one who gives us the desire to do such things. The ability to turn from ourselves, to say, it is not me who matters, but it is the one who is in need, the one who is still in darkness, the one who is still oppressed by their sins. The Holy Spirit's work at the end of the day is simple, to preserve you and prepare you for the kingdom. Yes, it is true that in this life we are still encumbered by sins, just like all people. And until our dying day, we will struggle with temptation. And so it is good that we recognize from whence comes our help. That it is the Spirit who is the one who enables us to recognize our sins, to say that those sins are wrong. That it is the Spirit is the one who gives us the strength to step away from the sins. And in those times where we stumble and fall, the Spirit is the one who picks us up to forgive us and renew us again so that we can go forth. Today we gather in the presence of our Lord, and the Spirit is among us. Let us rejoice in the power of the Holy Spirit, who is, a living, who is the one who gives us a living and active faith, now and always. Today, on this festival of Pentecost, we truly rejoice 
and how our Lord has freely given the Spirit to the church, that he has not stinted, that he has not only given the Spirit to some, but to all. We are all part of the Lord's church. We are all the temple of the Lord. And where his temple is, the Lord is present. We rejoice that the Spirit has united us with our Lord and that, un- that union can never, be separ- can never be severed by anything in this world, that the love of God can never be taken from us, not by any powers or principalities, not by anything in this life, not by governments, not by anarchists, not by whatever it might be. Indeed, the only thing that can separate us from our Lord is if we utterly reject him and walk away from him. Yet in his mercy, he gives us the strength to persevere. So let us always gather in his presence. Let us always rejoice in what he has given and give thanks for the good gifts which have come from him. Thanks be to God, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.